Keegan Matheson is here, Blue Jays reporter for MLB.com. Keegan, welcome. How are you today, sir? Doing well, Jim. How are you? Good. I mean, it's just it's one of those things that you had to see to believe. Um, and I always go back to how would I describe what I've seen to somebody who was not into this? Uh, you know, and it's hard to find that person, certainly in the city of Toronto. But there's so many storylines here that you would take hours to describe, and they're all positive that, you know, this happened, this happened. They had to play home games in, in Dunedin, Buffalo, one in Anaheim, and, and a bunch in Toronto. And, I mean, that's a story. Um, all the positive offensive, the, the, the starting pitching, so many positives. And then you have to finish it off with, I don't know if it's a punchline, they missed by a game. It's a weird story that way, isn't it? It is. When you list the individual accomplishments, if if you were explaining this to someone else, they have a probable Cy Young Award winner. They have two guys who will likely finish 2-3 in MVP voting, in Vladdy and Marcus Semyon. They have four 100 RBI hitters in their lineup, one of the best rookie pitchers. They had one of the best trade deadline additions in Jose Barrios. And the person you're telling the story to would interject and say, okay, they won the World Series, right? And no, it's not the case. It's, it's such a strange ending to a season. And like Marcus Semyon said, and I agreed with him yesterday, saying that they're playing their best baseball right now. And it's just a bit too late. If this season was 164 games, yeah, they're probably in. But it's about cramming that into the 162, and it came just a minute too late. And really heartbreaking for the Blue Jays to see that happening at the hand of Rafael Devers, too, with that two-run home run. Uh, seeing that clear the wall with the fans at the Sky Dome still watching on, that was what an experience, just a, a gut punch for everyone at the same time. Yeah, it's it's wacky stuff. And, and I find, you know, when you project forward, and we'll get into this individually, but there's a there's like two storylines here. There's there's people that have had uh, career defining seasons with the hint of many more of those to follow. With even the numbers getting better, and you could certainly put uh, Vladdy and, and Manoa at the top of that list. And then you got to come back with a guy who could win the Cy Young, who's who's up for renewal. Uh, Mats, who's sort of forgotten it all this, up for renewal. And of course, Marcus Semyon, who set a, a major league record for home runs by a second baseman, up for renewal. I mean, there's a couple of uh, interesting angles here. There's all the people up for renewal, but there's that core of young guys that that are just scratching the surface and you wonder where all that goes. It's interesting that way, isn't it? This is. This will be the most interesting offseason we've seen for the Blue Jays in years because last offseason, when they brought in Semyon and brought in Ray, neither were expected to be anything close to this. Of course, you expected a bit of a bounce back from Semyon from his down 2020, but not this. And you did not expect a Cy Young Award from a guy who just led the planet in walks last year. That's not how this was supposed to happen. So they struck gold twice in free agency, which nobody does. That is amazing it happened this way. So the Blue Jays will need to prioritize Ray and Semyon. And if they don't get both of them, well, who's the next guy on the list? The Blue Jays should have a lot of money to spend, and they have that young core. But this is where the Blue Jays will be challenged by going from good to great. And that's a very difficult thing to do. It's not just as easy as bringing in a George Springer and saying there's the last piece. You've seen this year how fragile that can be and how close you can get and still not make it. So a major offseason for the Blue Jays. And Semyon and Ray, of course, both saying yesterday they'd be interested in entertaining a return, but everybody's going to say that. <laughs> Nobody is going to say, you know what, let me limit my market to 29 teams instead. They will say that, and they are going to have phone calls from everybody 
in Major League Baseball. So the Blue Jays will really need to step up in those negotiations. Well, let's go through this one by one. Let's go through Robbie Ray, and, and we had that that piece that Steve Phillips did on Sports Center, where they they broke down the mechanics and, and how they adjusted his delivery and, and and solved a lot of his problems. And you'd like to think that there'd be some sort of um, some sort of loyalty there, but this is business, and and so I don't know, you know, if if he just takes what what was given to him and, and goes elsewhere, or appreciates it and, and finds a way to stay. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's it's dollars and, and cents here that the more dollars and cents that make this thing work, but but. There might be another Robbie Ray out there, right? There's always that chance, and every team chases that every offseason. Every once in a while, you'll find that. You will find your Jose Bautista on a minor trade for a backup catcher and strike gold. But you're also going to chase that 100 times and fail to find it. We see it over and over in baseball, which is the ultimate prospect sport, the ultimate potential sport. And teams chase it and rarely find it. You get your Bautistas and your Rays, your Edwin Encarnacion's when he came over to the Blue Jays, but more often than not, you're not going to get that. And like you said, Jim, there will be some relationship there, and I don't want to minimize that either. A relationship with a team and, and with a pitching coach does matter for a guy like that and his confidence, You know, certainly with Pete Walker, who a lot of these pitchers absolutely love. But... When you step back from that, I, I understand the, the fan emotional side of that, but for anyone, for a baseball player, for anyone in any job, the option to listen to 30 bidders for your services at the top of the market, man, that is attractive. That is an envious position, and Ray and Semyon, they will both be uh, phones ringing off the hook the moment free agency starts. Yeah, and you know nobody knows what's going to be said by all those other teams. You know, one team could say something, and another team could add to it. It takes on a life of its own. Is what I'm trying to say, and you can't predict it. You you've paid, you know, to get to that position. You you owe it to yourself to go through the process. And it'd be nice if he could stay, but I think everybody understands how this works. Let's go to to Marcus Semien now, and you know, clearly a record for uh, second baseman home runs, uh, and, and you know, a nice one-two punch to say the least, and and just the start of uh, you know a great batting order uh, but you know according to reports he wants to play short um and, and you know they have some work to do on the left side of that infield how does all this work out now Semyon's case he will be so appealing to teams because yes considers himself a shortstop but if a team has an opening at second or short i'm sure you could stick marcus Semyon at third and he would be just fine but his market will be massive and especially at a premier position like shortstop there are a couple of big money teams that need one and he's going to be popular right at the very top of this market. Now, right now, handicapping very early, I would expect Ray to be a likelier return just in terms of what the Blue Jays need and where this could go. But Semyon is just coming off one of the all-time seasons, really, in the history of the Blue Jays for an infielder doing what he did, putting up those numbers, and his value to the clubhouse, these young players, the audio that you played off the top of Boba Shep and what he meant yeah. to a young teammate there. That is real. That's something we don't see a lot of, especially in COVID era when you're not in the clubhouse, you're not interacting personally as much. But there's real value to that. We don't know how to measure that as well as home runs and exit velocities and everything else, but there's a real value, and I think that's something the Blue Jays have long really cherished, is that clubhouse culture and leadership for a young core that doesn't always need it, of course, but you love to have it, especially in a guy that's that productive. 
And the trick is you could re-sign them both, and that would be nice. It doesn't guarantee anything uh, because it's it's the next season is a new season, and you don't know exactly how that will play out if everybody's healthy, if, if everybody makes the same contribution or more. And when I think of that, I, I think of Springer, and, and I just I th- I know I've asked you this before. If this guy had been there all the way through, that we're we're not talking about a one-game deficit. We might be talking about being in by several games, right? Oh, absolutely. With Springer, when you're talking about the time he missed early and then coming back a few different times, Jim, with the playing at not 100% whatsoever, not himself, when you got glimpses of the true George Springer, man, oh, man, you see why the Blue Jays gave him $150 million. You see why he is one of those new faces of the franchise. The talent is undeniable, and he does it in every phase of the game. Defense, power, hitting for average, everything. But the Blue Jays, really across the board, had so many things go right, but a couple of those things that did get in the way with those injuries. And that's really, the I think, the big storyline entering next spring, Jim, is can everything go that right again? Is this who Vladdy is every year? Is this who Teoscar and Bo Bichette are every year? Not only do you have to fill some holes, but you have to keep everyone playing at this level, which, as we know in baseball, you'd like to think that's going to happen year after year, but it doesn't. Yeah, that's the truth of it. I mean, I, I think uh, human nature is you always look at the positives and, and sort of expand on them, not because you can't possibly predict the, the you know the, the speed bumps, the downturns, because they they just sort of happen, and you have to come up with that solution right away. Uh, one of the issues would would be the bullpen. Uh, how do they? Are you happy with what they have? What do they need to add to it? They definitely need to be aggressive with the bullpen next year, and this could be as simple as just spending a bit more money. That is not the real money ball or analytic approach, but the Blue Jays in, in past years have done really well, I think, with finding low-end or mid-range relievers that turn into something a bit more valuable than their contract suggests. They have done a good job with that. They'll have Meza, they'll have Romano, they'll have Simber, but at this point it might be time to shop a little more towards the top of the market where you are closer to guaranteeing yourself some real money in that bullpen. and. You're never going to guarantee it with a reliever. Goodness, this season might have looked a lot different if Kirby Yates were healthy, if David Phelps were healthy. But when you're rolling a dice already, it's such an unpredictable position. I think this is where the Blue Jays might push in a little more aggressively because next season could very easily be decided by one game. We could be sitting here a year from yesterday watching another crazy Sunday to finish the year, and that's really when you start to nitpick, thinking – which one game over the year could have gone differently? The first place your mind's going to go is always the bullpen. Okay, let's touch on a couple of narratives that are sort of buried under the surface. Um, the first one would be the manager, Charlie Montoya. How would you rate what he's done, and, and, and you know, does this continue forward? Yeah, I believe it will continue forward with Charlie Montoya and the Blue Jays from here. And we saw a lot in the year where Montoya was, I guess, more of a a people manager than a a baseball manager, just trying to manage personalities, young players and veterans as they moved from city to city. That became a bit of a different job description, you know, one that the other 29 managers might not have had. But the Blue Jays were happy with how Montoya managed that. And then we did see a bit of change in his tactics towards the end of the season, Jim, which is what I was looking for. You know, September was going to be, where we saw the true Charlie Montoyo. How does a manager handle big moments? Are they aggressive? Are they pulling players out after mistakes or letting them have a longer leash? And 
this Blue Jays team has been about development for a couple of years, and sure, if a guy makes an ugly error, you let him go out and learn from it, but when it's time to compete, you can't do that anymore. There need to be more repercussions for that and more of a demanding for excellence. So I, I think you'll see a bit more of that from the Blue Jays. I think you need to see a bit more there, but uh, I'd expect that to continue on with Montoya. Okay, let's go down another road, and, and that would be the, uh, the sort of nomadic life they've had. Uh, Dunedin, Buffalo, uh, home game in Anaheim, and, of course, uh, the rest of the local ball yard. Uh, this is a, a real chore, and in the end, the, you know, the, you end up with the, with the final line in the story. They reconnected with their fan base, which wasn't really a surprise, but it was nice to see. It was quite a journey that way, wasn't it? That really was. And, you know, Jim, at points I was down in Dunedin, and you were just, I, I was nervous I'd be typing too loud. The broadcast might pick it up. It was that empty. It was that quiet. And it was not a major league atmosphere. And nobody expected it to be. It was a minor league ballpark in Florida. It was not the Sky Dome. But it was not an atmosphere of major league baseball. And even just seeing some old highlights yesterday watching back when Vladdy would hit a home run, and instead of going into fans, it would just bounce into a schoolyard. That's not Major League Baseball, but it had to be for a little bit. Buffalo was a bit better, and then you finally saw back here in Toronto the actual impact of that. Because this has been a storyline all year, and it's been difficult on the Blue Jays. At the same time, when they played in Buffalo and Dunedin, the road team had to travel there too. They all played in the same ballpark. But I think you saw when the Blue Jays were back here a sense of being settled, and a sense of finally having some support behind them. Because this is a team that plays with a lot of emotion, a lot of personality, and I think a team like that really takes crowd energy more. Now, that can help you or hurt you, but you saw when it was working for this Blue Jays team, I think that really energized them. I mean, what you've talked about there is really a logistical nightmare. I always think of the players, their living conditions, uh, and the, the poor people in the front office that have to line all this up in three different cities, uh, the families and, and how much stress there is. And, and, of course, then you've got the possibility of, of an outbreak in a pandemic. The stress level for all that stuff has nothing to do with baseball, but it, it is enormous, isn't it? Oh, it has to be. I mean, yesterday I was stressed because I had a flight booked to New York and Boston making sure I got that canceled. And that's a drop in the ocean compared to what the Blue Jays had going on. And if you are a, a young player, a single guy, no kids, it's a little bit easier. You have to worry about yourself, getting to the ballpark, eating, working out. That's doable. But for a lot of these veteran players with young families, with their spouses there and having kids around, trying to get families across border or traveling, you're dealing with your vehicles. You're dealing with apartment leases. You are dealing with trying to get to the new ballpark, not having the facilities you need. So much of it is off the field. It is about not being able to wake up in your own place, take a shirt out of your own closet, make breakfast in your own kitchen. Simple little things that seem 100 miles away from baseball, but it's that sense of routine. And if any athlete likes routine, goodness, it is a baseball player. That is their life built around it. And that element of routine was disturbed for about four months of this season. Keegan, let's let's end on this. I mean, how would you describe what you've seen? For me, it's it's a it's a team that overcame a lot of obstacles, has a great future, um, and has to make some very tough decisions. Uh, but one way or the other, it all tracks positively. How would you describe this? Going in a very positive direction and a dose of reality of what 
this era of baseball will be. As you're coming up out of a redeveloping, rebuilding era, everything's exciting because it gets better year to year. Then you hit a bit of a wall. This happens in every sport where suddenly you're competing with the big boys at the big table. And there's going to be heartbreaks like this. There are going to be times where being good is not good enough. You have to be a great team. So I think that's a real lesson in this and a bit of a reality check for for the Blue Jays and many fans. But it's a sign of something good happening eventually. They had hoped it would be this year, but certainly moving in the right direction. They have the youth. They have the payroll available. This should continue in this direction, continue better. And ideally, this is something that is learned from and used as a springboard because this is not like 2016 with an older roster that seemed like the end of an era. This should be the start of something. Keegan, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. You got it, Jim. Take care.